Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I finally watched Three O'Clock High. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Three O'Clock High, which released in 1987 from writers Richard Christian Matheson and Tom Shalosi and directed by Phil Joannou. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Jerry Mitchell. He's a high school student who just has happened to wake up on possibly the worst day of his life. He's had a running with Buddy Ravel, played by Richard Tyson, and Buddy wants to fight Jerry at three o'clock on this very day. Jerry is going to do his best to try to get out the fight, even if it kills him. So I'd not really known much about this director other than the short 10-minute video that he made, uh, Punisher, The Dirty Laundry. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, you know, which was pretty successful. It was pretty good. More violent uh, than the fucking movie. It, yeah. Uh, but he'd also been fairly well known for doing lots of music videos for U2 and Bon Jovi and yeah. several others. Uh, but I didn't realise that he was originally the protege of Steven Spielberg. Oh, okay. Going all the way back before this movie, um, Phil Joannou was working with Steven Spielberg on The Amazing Stories in oh. 1985. Yeah, wow. Uh, Spielberg directed the pilot episode. Yeah. I think one of those also starred or featured Casey Simesco. Uh, he was also in one of those uh, episodes. Yeah, yeah. And so they kind of had uh, a bit of a working relationship there. And Spielberg handed... Phil the script to a film at the time called After School. Oh, okay. And uh, Phil turned it down. He turned Spielberg down and went, no, I'm not doing that. It's <laughs> like, well, I'll take the script home and read it. But he was just like, I don't think I want to be pigeonholed in. Like, why bother? John Hughes has got this genre marked down right now. So, yeah. Know. But then he was just like, you know, wait a minute. I've just turned down Steven Spielberg. This is my first opportunity to make a feature length movie. Yes. I should probably take this. Should probably take it, yeah. And, uh, and he did. And Spielberg gave him his blessings. He had a $5 million budget. And uh, he... Did the scouting location, found the school, got the company out there, made the film, and this film bombed on release. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those failures. Uh, so much so that Steven Spielberg had his name removed from the film when the uh, the test screenings for the film were coming back. Not negative, but not really high either. Yeah. Now, I've heard some kind of conflicting stories about why Spielberg took his name off it. Usually, when you hear a director or, you know, a, a name like that having their name removed, it's usually because they don't want to be associated with it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but according to Phil in interviews, he was like, no, nah, Spielberg was very protective of me. You know, he showed me the ropes, even though he broke his heart by, at one point, telling him, like, this film's going straight to video. Which is a death sentence, you know, if you wow. basically fail to make a movie then. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And so he was a bit heartbroken, but it's still screened in limited theatres to empty seats. Yeah. Uh, which, again, is, you know, kind of soul-destroying, which, you uh, it's unfortunate. But considering this guy was meant to be, you know, the next the next big director. Yeah, yeah. So it's a shame that this film kind of got buried and forgotten uh, during, you know, the, the John Hughes teen drama season, really. Well, yeah, but, like we've been hearing about this film for like the last three years you know we've it's definitely we've... had a resurgence especially now with the with a, a new re-release as well with high definition well yeah but we also had like one person who was a fan of the show going you need to do three o'clock high you need to do three o'clock high and and like you said i'd never heard of it so i'd never watched it you know i watched a lot of films in the 80s and three o'clock high must have you know, it's a film that must have bombed in the cinema. They weren't w willing on sticking it on TV. You know, they weren't willing on sticking it on like a DVD matinee kind of 
you know like there was a lot of 80s high school movies i can think of like breakfast club and pretty in pink and 16 candles and other fucking movies like that but three o'clock i never came into the circles of conversation now and so whenever it came up whenever we saw it on the channel it was just like all right we've got to do it we've got to do it you know and and richard tyson the actor as well he's popped up a number of times for us you know, like like I remember him mainly as the the bad guy from Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, and he was one of the snipers as well in Black Hawk Down as well. So like this guy's, this guy can act. And then finally sitting down and watching this movie, I'm like, oh my god! I I partly wished that I could have watched it in the 80s and really, really, really fucking experienced it. Or even in the mid-90s when I was watching all those movies. Yeah. Really I, probably experienced I don't think it was in any of the video rental stores over here because I would have recognised uh, an awesome front cover. Yeah, you yeah, Because yeah. the poster for the film is really eye-catching. Like, yeah. I've never seen this poster either. And it was designed by the same legendary film poster creator of, uh, of, of a lot of Spielberg movies. So yeah. Ra Raiders of the Lost Ark, for instance. Back to the Future. This guy does great posters. Well, that's it. The guy playing Jerry as well, Casey Samasco, you know, like I read that like, he'd been in Stand By Me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he was, he was the 3D guy, in uh, 3D Back to the Future. Back to the Future and, and Back to the Future 2. <laughs> so I was just like, all right, so this, this guy can probably act. And I like, I like the way that the intro just came in. Like, you know, he, he narrates gently about how he knew it was going to be the worst day of his life. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> he wakes up, he sees his alarm is running late. His sister thought he was dead. And then typical teen, you know, typical 80s teen, I suppose, jumping out of bed and realizing he's got no clean clothes and still smelling them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, he goes into the laundry room, doesn't he? And he's just like, he opens the, the dryer and his sister steps in. I don't even know why mum even bothered <laughs> yeah. buying a dryer. And he pulls out his clothes. He's like, they're all tangled up in the washer. Yeah. He's like, he looks at the microwave. He's like, in it goes. <laughs> he grabs the pop tart and he's like, oh, it's cold. Oh, I'll just put it in the microwave as well. Why the <laughs> hell not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> he's in the car. He's brushing his teeth. His sister hands him some Diet Coke and just massive on the screen there. Just like, oh, must be some paid <laughs> product placement yeah. right there. He wishes his mouth out and spits it out. Well, this is great. Like, the opening song, apparently it was a nightmare for the studio as well. Because Well, this entire opening wasn't originally there. I think right. for the original test audiences. Yeah. Um, and so... The, the the director took some creative license with the script. He was allowed carte blanche to change anything that he wanted to. So he made alterations and additions, and he wrote this entire opening sequence yeah. to help establish Jerry early on, mm. because people would often think that he wasn't the main character of the movie. <laughs> so it really introduces you to him. You get to understand his home life. He's got a good relationship with his sister. Yeah. He's got an interesting girlfriend. Like We don't quite know it's his girlfriend. But... Yeah, she, she, Franny, she has like feelings towards him, but he doesn't reciprocate it really well is jerry so like i really think we need to bond it's like what does she mean well that's it that's it like we follow their relationship through the movie and she's constantly trying to have sex with him and then one moment where she actually does make out with him she kind of just leaves him and walks off and i thought that was it right and then she'll come back later on and kind of after talking to ethan her undying love at him and stuff so i'm like Jerry, you've just got women all over the place for you because he's got that Karen girl as well that right. kind of starts flirting Yeah, the pretty girl one that's point. giving yeah. him the eye, you know, the blinking eyes in the car. Yeah. She comes into the store to buy paper. Yeah. And it just sets up Jerry for these awkward scenarios where he's kind of meek, you know. He's he's not a nerdy, geeky guy, but he's pretty much like your everyday student. Yeah, yeah. And I think the casting is really good here. Even though he'd had some prior work, 
I think he really comes into his own here and you really believe that and you can kind of put yourself in this position. Yeah. And then before you know it, the whole school is ablaze with rumours and talks of this character called Buddy Ravel that's going to be turning up into the school today, a transfer <laughs> student. Um, who, and, and everyone just starts rumour controlling uh, all of these stories about how he punched somebody out, doesn't like to be touched, broke some guy's neck. You heard about his brass knuckles? Dude has brass knuckles? Yeah, always carries them with him. He uses them on special occasions. He hit that continuation of his nose to off his face. Serious? Totally serious. He's also got this thing about being touched. I thought that fucking rumour section was absolutely brilliant. Because it starts with Lisa Simpson, yeah. uh, Yearly Smith, kind of just talking to her friends. And she starts this rumour, but then you... you the, you kind of just follow the camera as it's following the students going into the school and then they're hearing and then just adding little bits and hearing little bits here and there. Great one shot as well. Yes. Very few edits. Oh, so, just yeah. absolutely brilliant to watch. And then as it flows through, it will end up at Jerry and Jerry's sister Bree will give him bits of information that you've already heard, but it's not the whole truth. And so I was sat there like, wait, Hold on, like, because some of them are saying, like, Buddy protected himself or that he was protecting somebody else. And then he ended up just fighting this guy. And then he ended up breaking this guy's teacher, uh, uh, this teacher's neck. And he doesn't like being touched. So, so all of a sudden, the whispers turn Buddy into this, this scary monster. figure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's when we get the fantastic introduction of him, where you see the car pull oh, yeah. up, you know, and the boot stepping down on the pavement. Yeah. Uh, the director talked at uh, length, actually, because he was like, he, his greatest inspirations for this film were Martin Scorsese, particularly After Hours. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, uh, Road Warrior, the first Mad Max film, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially for some of the fight scenes as well. But he wanted that introduction that's in Road Warrior with a foot stepping down onto the tarmac. And he was just like... But his director of photography was like, the camera can't get any lower to the ground. <laughs> so he was like, look, this is the shot that I want. We're going to do it. And so they solved it by having a pavement there for him to step onto instead of the road. Nice. So nice. It was like he got the elevation and he got the shot that he wanted. Yeah, yeah. And then it dollies all the way up to him as he leans back on the car, takes in the whole school like, right. <laughs> and then in he goes. And you got this giant gothic school. It's like, wow, they don't build them like that. Oh, no, yeah. not anymore. Like, this yeah. is really quite an impressive looking building. Uh, and in he goes. See, I also read in some notes as well that some of the writers um, took some of their own personal experiences. Well, just the director did. Oh, right, yeah. yeah and the, once the script was done, those writers didn't have anything to do with it after Yeah, that. but it was just some of the personal experiences that came into the movie that actually made the movie feel... More genuine. More relatable. Yeah, yeah, more genuine. Like, I'm sure so many of us have been in school and you've either been, been bullied or you were the bully. And so that's it. You could watch this movie and be like, oh, that was me. Yeah. I, that, that was totally me. Like, you know, the, the director does not even mess around. You know, it's like some high school movies seem so farcical, like Ferris Bueller, you know, uh, and this movie really just took it to the point where, like I said, that one camera shot, listening to all the rumors, seeing Jerry, then meeting up with, with Buddy that you're just like, oh, right, we're, we're going to clash these two. Well, because his friend, doesn't he? His friend talks to him and he's like, look, Buddy's in the school. You know, we write the paper, so I'm gonna, yeah. we, need to, we need to go and interview him and get his full story. But, but that's it. Jerry's just like, well, I don't. I don't want to get involved with this guy. If this guy's as scary as you're making him out to be, I don't want to. And then the teacher turns around and goes, oh... Jerry, you're the best kid of the class. You're the friendliest. You've got all the marks. We want you to do it. And he's like, fuck. 
Can I go toilet? Right. <laughs> Small bit of continuity here in the movie. Yeah. Um, I had to. I was on a second watch. I uh, I noticed it. Uh, but you you see the teacher. She's got the the board the, in her hand. She's got really long painted nails. Right, right, right. And then when the, you follow the finger up the board, I was like, that's a completely different person's <laughs> hand. Like they're not even painted at all. It's probably a man's even, hand. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Jerry kind of panics and he rushes off to the bathroom and while he's at the urinal, he looks over and, and there's Buddy. <laughs> now, you know this is an 80s movie and the director has apologised for the use of the F word. Not not the not the other F word, the oh, other F oh, word. Oh, the fag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was like, it was a product of the 80s. That was product the time. The 80s, and that, was, yeah. that, that word was commonly used then. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, he ends, Jerry ends up talking to Buddy. And he's like, look, we want to do this interview. But but Buddy's like, look, I don't want anybody to know who I am. Yeah. I don't want any involvement in this. And Jerry's like, you know what? Forget it then. It's all fine. And he puts his arm on his shoulder <laughs> as if to say, we're all good. And that <laughs> stare... That camera angle, the intensity in those eyes, like this guy is like a bomb about to go off. You've been told numerous times that he doesn't like to be touched. So the one thing you do is fucking touch him. I love that the camera stays there just long enough that you see the penny drop in Jerry's <laughs> yeah. eyes. You know, you're just like, oh crap. Yeah. And then he is, well, then he's head thrust into the into the wall. He's, you know, been flushed by the urinal in front. Up, yeah. He's smashed up against the mirror and he's told, like you leave the school I will be under your bed yeah. you will see me at 3 o'clock in the parking lot and we will fight yeah so, oh god and this is all like the first 10 minutes of the film yeah and I'm like this is this is great the pacing's great the character setups are great uh, and the, the performances here are really good so you really believe it um, and even though the film is a comedy it's definitely got that dark edge to it oh, which totally. has definitely yeah. come from that Scorsese influence and yeah. the way You'll notice the camera kind of is always dollying in, getting closer and closer. Yeah, yeah. So it starts to feel more claustrophobic. We start to see lots of shots of the clocks. Even oh. if we don't see the clocks, we'll occasionally hear the ticking well, as it starts to count now till three o'clock. That moment that he comes out of the toilet and he goes back into his, his tutor room, his study room, whatever, and then the clock goes 9am and you're like, oh shit you know i was sat there like oh fuck we still got hours yeah, to go like, it's just started <laughs> it's just started so then we're just following Jerry. i just have to say as well in that that science uh room like yeah even the insect video that they're showing oh yeah is just mirroring him yes, like yes. jerry is the cricket yes buddy is the crab scorpion yeah about to catch his prey and i see you can probably feel the Spielbergian touch over the scene because the music playing over that video yeah. is the going out to sea theme tune from Jaws. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and and I also kind of also felt like they were watching that video. It's just like Gremlins. Yes, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. With the, with the way that that, that <laughs> camera room, science room is lit as well. But we've also got, yeah, it, it's great at establishing all of these other side characters. Well, we've still got the pretty blonde girl sat beside him. Yeah. And we've got these two other guys that want to tell the story. Yeah. They're constantly there with their video cameras like, well, this is going to be on cable. We're going to get a lot of this. We want to tell the whole story, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. It's just so brilliant because the way that uh, Casey Samasco plays the Jerry character, he is doing his best to avoid all of these situations and in fairness in his own little way he also keeps making them worse and worse so as the movie was going on i was sat there like i don't actually generally think he's the hero i generally think maybe not the hero maybe he's just like the rest of us normal guys where we make stupid decisions and then we just keep making more and more stupid decisions just making it worse on and top worse. of that yeah. making it worse <laughs> because we saw that jerry works 
um, in the student shop and this is and there was this whole thing where they've made four hundred and fifty dollars it's the most they've ever made um, the teacher doesn't want them to obviously move it from the till because obviously the money might go missing and so you know Jerry's been trying to avoid the fight he even ends up walking up to Buddy in the, the corridor to say to him look I don't want to fight I'm really sorry I'm apologetic and stuff and he's got his friend Franny and Vincent there and the way the camera looks at Buddy as he's at the locker, Buddy's just like, I don't want anybody to know I'm here. I don't want to involve anybody. And then it does that big, massive shot of the whole <laughs> fucking school just watching Jerry and Buddy in the corridor. And I'm like, oh, Jerry, you just made this <laughs> fucking worse. <laughs> I don't like people knowing about me. And so it's all the crazy situations as well that everybody else tries to think up to help Jerry out. So like his buddy Vincent, who's who's really kind of a generally nice guy and he's actually looking out for his buddy, comes up with the idea that after spotting Buddy's uh, combination lock, he memorized it. And so now he's come up with the idea to break into Buddy's locker, put a knife in there, lock it back up and put a note on the teacher's table. And Jerry's just like... Uh, don't do that because if Buddy gets expelled, he'll know it was me. And so then they're frantically trying to get the locker back open. And so like, yeah, so the whole time I'm like, so Buddy's not actually doing anything wrong. He's not right now. He's basically <laughs> told you he wants to fight you at three o'clock because you put your hand on him. And he really doesn't like and that. And he really doesn't like that. And so now you're trying to get him expelled by putting a knife in his foot. Where the fuck did fucking Vincent find a switchblade? I fucking don't right. know. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the film's biggest plot mystery. And then, the, and then you get that whole situation as well where the fucking... They, 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 they manage to... Well, they don't manage to get into the locker, but Vincent doesn't put the note on the teacher's desk. So then when Jerry goes out to his car to escape or get off of campus, the knife is stabbed into his fucking steering wheel with a note from Buddy saying, you know, I'll see you at 3 p.m. Now, this is the one thing that I will say it is, you know, very, uh, you know, um, villainous uh, of Buddy. Oh, yeah. But when he opens the car and realizes that his, because it's his mum's car, it's yeah, been it's absolutely a... shredded. All the electronic it's cables the, yeah. have been cut. And I'm like, now that, that's that's going too far now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but at the same time, in Buddy's defense, this is after he's found the knife in his in, locker. In his locker. Yeah. So... Who really is the villain? <laughs> well, I mean, but then again, Jerry didn't put that there either. No, so. no, but he should have. He could have stopped this friend Vincent from putting it in. Yeah. But it, but this is where we also get introduced to the Duke of the school, the school security, Mitch Pelleggi, fucking Skinner from X Files. <laughs> right. Who I'm like, I was sat there looking at him like, is this before or after he fought all those zombies in Return of Living Dead Part Two? It's probably after, and is he and probably before he goes and joins the FBI? <laughs> or yeah, well, I assume this is also before he gets put into the electric chair for the Shocker movie uh, yeah, as well, yeah, where yeah. he was the killer in that. There might have been his twin there. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine they were all from one big family, <laughs> yeah. you know, all four of them. But but Duke decides after finding the knife because Jerry tries to make a whole run and and the Duke manages to chase him down. The Duke finds the knife 
and takes him to the truant officer. Well, the who, uh, disciplinarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the most... He must be the most evil person in the fucking school. And with the most evil assistant in the school <laughs> yeah. as well. The way that she walks in and gives Jerry the sting eye. I was yeah. like, the camera angle's perfect. The yeah. actress is perfect at delivering that. Even the way she carries herself with such power. Yeah. As she goes yeah, yeah. out the door. The way here and that, that Zelensky, whatever guy, kind of he kind of shoots with this look like... Yeah. <laughs> But it's the way Jerry's just like, look, and he explains the entire situation. He tells the teacher the truth. And the teacher's like, that's the most silliest excuse I've ever heard. I'm going to call the teacher and find out. And so he rings up the teacher and the teacher's like, no, we've not found any note. So Jerry's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then two seconds later, he meets up with Vincent. And Vincent's like, look, I got the note back. <laughs> right, so you won't get into trouble now. <laughs> yeah, and Jerry's just like, oh, God, you've made it worse. <laughs> now... Like, uh, I want to talk about the music in the film. Oh, it's great. It's Tangerine yeah, it Dream. We yeah. talked about them in, uh, from Near Dark, from yeah. To The Keep, and yeah. many, many other films that they've done. I believe this was like the 30-plus album that they've done. I think like their sixth or seventh film collaboration at this time. Nice, nice. Uh, and their music is always fantastic. But the director had a bit of a problem with them. So much so that yeah, I think he had to fly over there during post-production to explain to them yeah. that the music that they were providing for the film was not quite appropriate because they scored the movie like it was a horror movie. Like it was a thriller. And they, <laughs> they were, were still just coming off the back of the keep. Right. They were explaining to the director, like, look, the boy's being beaten by this bully. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's horror. And the director's like, no, it's comedy. And they, so they were like, so the music initially didn't, didn't match right. Right, right. Uh, so that's why you'll notice in the, uh, in the opening credits, there's an additional music provided yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, the opening song at the beginning of the film was also provided by somebody else as well. Yeah. Uh, I think a college friend of the director. Um, but otherwise, uh, the music by Tangerine Dream is always, always excellent. And and it does also bring that darker edge to this film. It does, yeah. Uh, one of those sequences as well that's almost like a living nightmare is when he's in the school gymnasium. Yeah. You know, and uh, all of the cheerleaders burst through. All, all of the shutters <laughs> yeah. come screaming down as everyone's screaming their heads off. Yeah. As they're starting to whack this Beat pinata. The yeah. <laughs> but all the while, Buddy's just stood there. Staring at Jerry like you know, three o'clock. But, but I was trying to work that out because I'm like, so Jerry's looking and he can see Buddy, and Buddy's looking at him. But then at the same time, Jerry's looking forward and can see the cheerleaders, and obviously there's nothing behind them. So where is Buddy in 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 <laughs> circumference? Ed editing movie magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but but Jerry comes up with the great idea that he could pay off another kind of school jock not a bully kind of character to beat up Buddy. Um, and so Jerry, in his great grand scheming of things, decides that um, he'll pay this guy to beat up Buddy. With funds from the school store, you know, um, uh, cash. Yeah. So he, so he goes into the school store and he tries to break into the till. Now, there was kind of a joke because we'd already been set up that the till doesn't open up properly. So Jerry's having real trouble trying to open up this till to get the money out before the end of the fire drill that they right. called it out for. And he finally gets into it by using the fire extinguisher, but inadvertently ends up destroying the entire room, making it look like a <laughs> trashed robbery. And so, like I said, these things are mounting up. I'm like, you put your hand on Buddy, you set him up with a knife, you're now stealing from the school to pay a bully to beat him up. Jerry, you're the fucking bad guy in all this! Right, well... <laughs> 
Spielberg often thought when the, this film was going into production that they were making another kind of karate kid movie right, about okay, a kid yeah. who's being bullied at school and will have a fight at the end and, and, over, and overcome. Yeah, but we know about, about the karate kid that actually Danny was the bad guy in that too. Well, I mean, they're both equally to blame, right? No, he cheated in the last fight, Gary. Kicked him in the face. He still won the fight. <laughs> still won the fight. Yeah, yeah, no, now we have six, seven, eight, ten seasons of Karate Kid to follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we do now. But you can see that that's kind of similarity is yeah, here, yeah, where you're yeah. just like, they're both kind of at odds. Like, I mean, granted, the intensity coming off of Buddy, Buddy Ravel, even though he only really has a couple of scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. His presence is felt over the rest of the film with that ticking clock, with that, you know, getting closer and closer, the zoom-ins on Jerry as he's panicking, as he's getting desperate, because yeah. everything he's trying to do is failing. Yeah. And he's literally only got two classes left until the fight. He's got English class. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, you know what? The plan is now to get detention. This is his great sister's idea. Well, I mean, the bully goes up to Buddy in the library oh, yeah, before sorry, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and he confronts Buddy and Buddy's just like, how do I know you? And he's like, we played football. And, and so Jerry's paid the bully to beat up Buddy. And he puts his finger on him, doesn't he? Buddy, Buddy still doesn't want to fight him. Like Buddy yeah. could have easily just got up and knocked him out. But he's just like, I don't want it. And the guy puts his finger on Buddy. And we get this shot again of him looking at the finger and he breaks the finger and he punches the other guy in the face. And it's such brilliant because he knocks into one of the Chauvin stacks, which just does this whole massive domino effect of Chauvin stacks. Yeah. And as the last one collapses, there is Jerry and his friend <laughs> Vincent right behind. Yeah. And I just love the way that Buddy just kind of goes, Perfect end to the scene. You know what's awesome as well? I've seen that fucking gif a load of times, right? Yeah. Not once as I have I ever seen it with the blood on his finger as I did in this film. Wow, yeah. Yeah, because they've, they've always seemed to cut it out. So I finally saw the blood on his finger and I was like, oh. man, that's a lot more horrific. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, it's, uh, it's a sequence that seemed very familiar when I watched it. I was like, oh my God. It uh, was uh, The Mummy in 1999 that ah, did the yes. exact same gag. Yeah. The, I was like, I don't know if there's been any other movies that have done that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like the way that it kind of hits the night and the night does a pirouette and spins, then it's next. And then cowering behind the bookshelf, <laughs> just stood there like <laughs> so good. deer in the headlights, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but yeah, really, really great sequence. Also, interestingly, um, it shows a new angle uh, on Buddy Ravel as he's actually... In a library. Yeah. Sat reading a book. Reading a book. I'm like, that's nope. not usually where you'd find the school bully. Yeah. yeah. Like anywhere near that. That's um, it. But interestingly, he's reading uh, uh, Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Ah. Interestingly, Casey Sizemasco would play Curly in Mice and Men wow. five years after this. So wow. So I was like, oh, that's a little link that's, there. That's yeah. brilliant. That is. <laughs> but yeah, that library scene was a really good sequence. It's really good. Um, but yeah, like, like Gary said, after that, Jerry's just like, I'm... I'm, I'm fucked, and, you know, and the movie is broken up really well with him taking these moments to go to the bathroom and hide and yeah, do all these constant something. bathroom retreats. Bathroom retreats constantly, you know, people and are coming there. it's another horror moment, isn't it? Yeah. Where we see the, where he's looking underneath the store and the boots come in. Yeah. Like, Here comes Buddy, you're going to get it now. You're going to get it now. Boom, first store door opens. Boom, second store door opens. And he gets to the locked door. And he's like, Jerry, yeah. out or I'm coming in. Oh god, undoes the lock, and it's the two film it's people the there with the camera. They're there with their contract, like Jerry, sign this. 
You got other kids coming up to him going, Jerry, Jerry, you know, I've got a bed on you. We've you got, need to last yeah. longer than three minutes. <laughs> How many stitches? I don't know. And and Jerry's even being pulled in by his teacher who's called the police because they found the room trashed and the money missing. And Jerry knows about this. Vincent managed to get $350 of it back off of the bully who got beaten up. And decided to give him a hundred dollars because you know he's got a broken nose and a broken finger so yeah he had to get something jerry ends up giving vincent crap and, and that's kind of a bit of an emotional sequence because even though we don't see vincent a lot the, the actor playing vincent turns around it's just like i'm just trying to help and i'm like yeah jerry you fucking caused most of this situation anyway um but it's brie who basically says to jerry right your next class is english i want you to be the worst person you can ever be and get detention. If you're in detention, you can't be in the parking lot at three o'clock. And so Jerry goes into his English class and his teacher asks him to stand up and talk about his book report. And so we see this complete switch in Jerry's personality now. He's just rude, he's obnoxious, he's smoking he's, cigarettes. He's trying to be. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's trying to be, but he kind of is as well. I mean, <laughs> the teacher, Miss Farmer, uh, played by Caitlin O'Hearney, I think it was. I mean, she's playing the typical kind of graduate Mrs. Mrs. Robinson, MILF kind of teacher who people probably got the feelings for and uh jerry is aiming for this you know he's aiming to you know do something with her to kiss her to get himself thrown into tension and instead he ends up making out with her <laughs> and passing out well, well yeah i mean yeah they they're getting quite intimate she's getting quite aroused with his uh his performance yeah even though yeah. she's trying to remain professional yeah but she seemed to quite like the cigarette going out in her coffee mug for some reason <laughs> and then when he does ask her what's your favorite novel and she's like turn of the screw yeah oh and then he kisses her and that's because well in the turn of the screw there is a tutor that kisses the student so yeah. that's why he's like how you know what a coincidence and yeah and then he does pass out he ends wakes up in the in the uh in the nurse's ward. Yeah. And uh, he's just like, oh, damn, it's still not three o'clock yet. Yeah. I, I can go back to class. Oh, no. <laughs> did, did I get detention? She's like, no, but here's Miss Farmer's phone, right, home phone number. number. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, motherfucking shit. This is a teacher's fucking safeguarding PTA meeting nightmare. Shit, this kid <laughs> shut the whole fucking school down. But, all right, it's an 80s movie. They were kind of allowed to do it back then? No. <laughs> <laughs> They've never been allowed to do it. Well, when the genders are this way around, I think it's... <laughs> but when it's reversed, it's no, no, no. I don't know. It's a very taboo very, subject. Yeah, very Let's taboo. not get into it. Yeah. Um, so Jerry obviously realizes, oh, I'm screwed. Um, so he, he takes the money, the $350, and he confronts um, Buddy again. I mean, they'd had this little thing in their algebra class where... Buddy kind of made out like he didn't know the answers. And so Jerry was kind of showing him the answers and they got caught. So the two of them get sent to the uh, the headmaster's office. And the headmaster doesn't believe that Jerry had problems and that Jerry was cheating off of Buddy. So he writes up a maths equation and he basically goes, right, Buddy, solve this. And Buddy does get up and solve it, which makes you go, holy shit, he's really smart. You know, he's yeah. reading the book. He's, he's not... You know, he could have been tormenting Jerry all day, as we understand that a lot of bullies do. He hasn't been. In fact, all of the situations that we've seen him in, it's Jerry trying to instigate or get himself out of another situation. By making things worse. In, By making things worse, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a great reveal, isn't it? It's like, drop the mic. Like, wow, he's yeah, smart. Yeah. yeah. School bully. So well, maybe he's not really a bully, but you know, he's being 
presented as one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's quite a shock. I mean, even Jerry sat there like, well, why did you cheat then? Like, what was the point in that? Why why have you made this happen? Yeah. Is this just to ruin me even more? Well, it's, it's kind of the way it's like, Buddy even says it to him when Jerry confronts him, like, look, I will pay you not to fight me. Great sequence. And it's, yeah, I love that shot of the, the, yeah. the, the wide shot with them in the hall and Buddy yeah. walking off, leaving Jerry on his own. And Buddy basically just, it, it's not like he belittles him or really even negatively talks him da- talks down to him. He basically just says to him, like, you didn't even try. You didn't even try to fight me. And how does that make you feel? Yeah. Didn't even try. How does that feel? And that's what, and he's gone. He just walks away. And yeah. J- Jerry's just sat there like, I, I feeling the lowest of the low that yeah. he's ever felt in his life. Because he's, because in a way, the movie's trying to tell us as well. Like he's destroyed all of his friendships. He's destroyed his job at his school. He's destroyed it all for this situation. And so he should have just fought Buddy. But like I said, I'm like, hang on a minute. He constructed most of this scenario himself anyway. So how can I really feel bad for him when he's the one who stole the money? He's the one lying to the police officer. Because he's a really likable guy at heart. I, I, I get that. <laughs> Otherwise the movie would just fail. But, it, would just, it wouldn't work. But at the same time, in a way, there's no real payoff that way either. The police have actually told Jerry, we're watching you. We kind of know it's an inside job. So all the fingers are pointing to Jerry. And so, in a way, the movie's trying to say, oh, you want Jerry to put it on Buddy so that Buddy gets in trouble. And I'm like, no, because Buddy didn't do anything. Buddy, like we said, we don't know anything about Buddy's past history. So he could have been treated like shit his entire life. And all he wants to do is finish his education. And these are the scenarios he finds himself in because other people put themselves in his path. Yeah. Jerry didn't have to lay his hand on Buddy's arm. He could have just said okay, you don't want to do anything, and walked off. He didn't. He put his fucking arm on his shoulder. Yeah, it was purely accident. He didn't do it to invoke a fight, did he? he <laughs> like, he absolutely went on. Wasn't an ac- <laughs> it wasn't an accident to go and steal the $450 to pay somebody well, else. No, that was pure desperation. Buddy. wasn't desperation. He yes, it is. He purposely paid another guy <laughs> yes. to beat up Buddy, mm-hmm. and he only turned around looking bad when Buddy defended himself again. Because Buddy didn't want to fight another person. Like yeah, I, I said, know. a lot of these situations. <laughs> but then Jerry, at the end, you know, he turns around to Buddy and goes, I'm going to fight you now. You've made this. I'm coming for you. And I'm like, all right, okay, I can see where you're going with this movie. <laughs> you want me to get behind Jerry. You want me to obviously feel like he's standing up for himself. And so, yeah, it does. He... He ends up obviously building himself up so that he can deal with all of his issues and then he goes walking out to the parking lot. We get the nice little kind of back and forth between him and Buddy getting it's himself great. ready. It's a great montage as the clock's ticking the final the final five minutes. Yeah. Like every beat if we're cutting back to Jerry walking to the car park, to Buddy walking to the car park, to the school bell going, to all the kids all running the out, kids hanging there. out the windows. Like, that parking lot shaped like an arena. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah Ready yeah. for them to fight. But yeah, the principal comes out and he's like, nope, nope, everybody go home. There will be yeah, no fight yeah. today. And the two of them just stand there like, nah, we're, we're, we're doing this. I mean, I get it from Jerry's perspective. He needs to stand up for himself once in his life. And I also get it from Buddy's perspective that, yeah, all right, Buddy shouldn't have thrown Jerry up against the wall, but how many times has Buddy been in this situation that he kind of has a reputation to kind of maintain or or, he does le- now, or yeah. a legend or something? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and they do. They end up having a bit of a fistfight. The, the principal gets knocked out. I think the detective gets knocked out. <laughs> fucking Duke gets fucking knocked out. Franny gets involved. Yeah. Vincent gets involved. <laughs> Bree yeah. fucking throws knuckle dusters to fucking Jerry. It's well, like yeah, a... we, well, they were um, buddies knuckle dusters, so yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and they're, they're just... It's a really, really great sequence, which is really nice, cementing the rest of the movie because it's... Like Gary said, it's literally just been building up, building up, building up. It is a great moment as well when Buddy, you know, he realizes he's bleeding. Yeah. And it's yeah. probably for the first time in his life, you know, that anyone's probably landed a punch on him. Yeah, yeah. And actually marked him. Uh, but yeah, the f like, interestingly with this fight, like, I'm looking at the two of them, and if anything, Buddy could have destroyed Jerry in seconds. Yeah. In absolute seconds. And, yeah. But I also believe, because we've seen how quite smart uh buddy is yeah he didn't want to kill jerry he didn't no. want to murder him in this fight no, no. he wanted to teach him a lesson yeah and that lesson has been learned by him standing up for himself and buddy almost seems kind of impressed and kind of like thank you you've uh, you've, you've learned something See, but he also didn't quite be prepared to get smacked out by his knuckle duster well this is it i also came up with two other thoughts while i was watching this sequence as well i was just like man this would really work if it actually turned out that uh that jerry had paid buddy right from the start <laughs> knew about buddy before buddy even came to the school and thought ah if i if i get him involved I can make myself look the cool guy in front of everybody because I've never really been in a fight or any situation like that. I can't but, buy that for a second. <laughs> well, but then on the other side, because because uh, of the way that the ending goes, that I actually sit there and I actually think, Buddy actually, uh, Buddy orchestrated this whole situation with Jerry so that he could at least try to get accepted into the school. How many schools has he been to where the fear of all the other students have, have ostracized him and pushed him away and made the teachers turn on him and things like that, where he's had to fight, where now he's finally met this one guy who's probably weedier than him and think, thinking to himself, if we have a fight in front of the whole entire school and he beats me, I'll I'll not be this scary figure anymore, and he'll actually be a cool guy, and will I'll actually have a friend, because I mean <laughs> I think it, those theories are uh, right. That that's preposterous. Like, yeah, you might say that's preposterous, <laughs> and that's fine. You're wrong because, and here's here's my backup to this as well. They please, please they, do. they fight right. They end up having a fight, and Jerry knocks Buddy out, and Buddy hits the floor, and the policeman turns up to confront Buddy. You know. No, Jerry. He wants to arrest Jerry, but the oh, principal says, no, 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 yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. for enough. Yeah, he, he, want, he wants to do that, but he also wants to confront Buddy as well, because when they turn around to look for Buddy's body, he's not there. And there is no climax to that whole scenario, because the next thing that we see is we see the students back in school again. Everybody thinks Jerry's the coolest guy ever, but there's no money in the school shop, which, if you remember, Jerry stole... And so Jerry is still the thief, yeah? And the so school's like, oh, let's all come together and give you all this money. And Buddy walks in with the $350 and drops it on the desk. There's no police involved. There are no questions about who stole the money or where it went. It's literally just brushed right under the carpet. Now I can It's not that important. It's more now, about these two people at the end. But why then then why make the money such a focus point? 
why make it such a focus point that you're literally not going to actually pay off any situation? You've got the police involved. You've got the teachers actually trying to work out who stole this money. You've got Buddy bringing the 350 Buddy didn't even have to bring the $350 back. He it shows it. more strength of character. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the character. It's, it's, his, it's him trying to be accepted into the school as well. Because after the, after the ending, we don't, you know, obviously your imagination makes up the whole fact of how long they're going to stay in school for. But I like to play with the idea that after this, Buddy was a bit more approachable than he was at the start of the movie. Jerry's got a bit more of a backbone. I mean, fuck me. At the end of the motherfucking movie, Fran comes up to him and wants to make out with Jerry. Fucking the blonde girl is inviting Jerry off to her fucking party. And the fucking English teacher comes up and fucking throws herself at Jerry as well. And Jerry's like, it's going to be one of those days. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck movie? Come on. <laughs> Well, I, I was going to come back and say, I do think your theories are preposterous because that would just deflate the entire story and ruin these characters well, that neither of them could have orchestrated this and put on this performance for the whole school. Well, why, it's, why it's not? It's ridiculous. Why, why is that ridiculous? There's no hint of that anywhere no, there's, in the film. There's no, hint, <laughs> there's no hint of it majorly. But like I said, it was a theory that I'd come up with because of the way that Jerry had orchestrated all of these situations. The I don't think he orchestrated the it. He, they he, were just consequences of his choices. Gary, we watched him walk in a room, smash open a till and steal $450. Now, if you're going to sit there and say that being a thief is a positive aspect no, of No, I didn't just character. say that. No, well, no, no, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Then the movie allowed him to walk into the shop, steal the money, pay another guy to try to beat up another guy, take the money and then have no payoff towards the end of what the police are actually going to do with this whole investigation. That, to me, is preposterous. That they put this story section into... They even got an actor in to play the detective to question Dick Jerry. Yeah. And ultimately, he never turns up again. The money situation is just completely forgotten. Because, as my friend here said, we are suppo supposed to just focus on the aspect of these two characters. But I can't get over the fact that Buddy wasn't the bad guy. Yeah, he wasn't. They were both pretty bad. You know? no, 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 no. You say they were both pretty bad. I don't see Buddy as the bad guy. Buddy was just a guy coming into a new school who had all these situations. Who manhandled Jerry in the bathroom, wrecked the car. After he, <laughs> after he put his hand on him. Yeah, and, and it's after, a bit of an extreme overreaction. <laughs> he doesn't like being touched. I know, I know many scenarios where somebody who doesn't like being touched react exactly like that where they will get aggressive. And he only took out the car after the switchblade had been stuck into his locker. Would he have taken out, would he have done that to the car if the switchblade hadn't been put in his locker? We don't know. I like to think not because he'd have no reason to go out and find Jerry's car. But the fact that he goes to his locker, he finds a, a knife in there and knows without even finding out the evidence from the teachers that actually it's the guy that he has confronted in the stall. And like I said, going back to that situation as well, we're going to fight at three o'clock. Why, buddy? What is your big thing? Why didn't you just beat him up there in the beat him up there in the toilet? Yeah, that would have just garnered your legacy, your legend even more on your first day. Why leave it till three o'clock to fight this guy in front? No, we're not even in front of the school. He doesn't even like people do it. The school finds out and turns up. 
Yeah, pretty much. Why? Why the focus of three o'clock? Because, in, like I said, my mind, he wanted to make an impression, and like you said, he could have easily destroyed Jerry, but he ends up fighting, taking hits. Yeah, beating mm -hmm. up. He could have smacked Franny in the face, but he doesn't. He throws her. Yeah, he throws Vincent as well. He only ever punches people who touch him. Yeah, yeah, Proper, yeah. Probably put their hands on him. And so it's just like, like I said, I, I, I get where you're coming from, but that's why they're my theories and not yours, is because the way I look at the movie is this, Jerry is the orchestrator of a lot of these scenarios, and so in a way, the bad guy, where Buddy is kind of labeled the bad guy but by the end of the movie you're actually empathic to him like you know what especially that way he drops the money and he smiles but he doesn't smile yeah it's there's the, an acknowledgement between him and jerry of it's the smallest right. cinematic smile ever you're cool <laughs> you're cool in my book and jerry's like hey i'm cool in i'm cool in buddy's book and buddy's probably the coolest guy in the entire school at the moment I don't know about cool, but you could definitely see that they might be, uh, perhaps be friends, like, after this moment. Maybe not the best friends, but at least I don't think they'd ever come to blows like they did at the end of the film. Yeah. But uh, this whole uh, ending sequence actually wasn't in, in the original film and was actually co-directed by Spielberg, who had just flown over from China, finished the film he was doing over there. And because test audiences were like, well, what happened to Mrs. Farmer? He had the, the you know, had the kiss, had the note and never turned up so Spielberg was like well, what, what we'll do was we'll get everyone back together like the school all the kids in there not not the extras anymore those are all the school kids that go to that school because you know they've gone past production and uh, but still managed to get all of those sequences where they're buying all of the stuff replenish the register from all of the destroyed you know fire extinguisher and the stolen money uh, and then of course to pay off what audiences were wondering with the big kiss with the teacher which is a surprise kind of ending I'm like he's got a girlfriend like yeah. why is he what? Well, well, that's it. It's like, <laughs> like I said, with the whole Franny situation, she was making out that she wanted to sleep with him literally from the beginning of the movie. And then after they had their kiss and they were going to bond, it, it was like she realized that she didn't like him. But then she did come back to, to, to help him in the fight as well. Yeah, so and then like... she's kissing him at the end and he's happy to have a girlfriend. But then Karen comes up and says, you want to come to my party? And he's like, oh, I'm not sure. And then the English teacher comes <laughs> yeah, right. with him. I'm like... It's a bit much for the but, ending, but, that's but what I mean. it, it has that, I think it's just a part of that Spielbergian charm that just kind of yeah. wraps up a bunch they, of storylines very they, quickly they, and ends on a joke. Well, like you said, they, they didn't have Jerry as the main character. You know, they hadn't done the beginning and they hadn't really fixed the ending. They just had the middle bit, which was Jerry versus Buddy. And so making that bit at the beginning, making Jerry the main guy, you've got to finish it with Jerry being the main guy. And it just... It just so happens that it does become a little bit farcical. I, I get the movie language. It doesn't resonate that way with me. I know it probably does with a lot of other people, but I look at it and I go, mm hmm, okay, movie. You're trying to shove Jerry down my throat. I, I get it. I, I'll go with it, but... Yeah. Well, do you want to go with your favourite scenes, Ian? Uh, I just had so many favourite sequences. Buddy and Jerry in the restroom um, at the beginning. I uh, just thought it was just really well filmed, really well set up. You know, just the way that the camera had you look at the way Jerry's hand was on Buddy's arm and the way that Buddy is reacting to it. And so you're like, oh, fuck, it's all about hey, to fucking it fuck off. <laughs> you know, some of the camera shots as well just were really, really well done. Like the uh, the sequence where they were in the, um, the sports hall and um, Buddy's just had this little thing with Jerry and he walks off and it goes to this really long sh uh, wide shot 
and it's just Jerry stood there in the hall. I was like, wow, that really just captures how small and insignificant he is yeah, and feeling at and, the time. And how lonely he feels where he's kind of pushed everybody away and he's on his own and now he has to deal with this scenario, his situation for himself. Um, I love the, the uh, filmmakers wanting to film Jerry just constantly just turning up trying to explain to him like we're going to film you all day and we're going to film the fight and we want it to be this big blockbuster because it just made me feel like the, the people making this film you know like how they must have been in school how they wanted to make film then they've gone off and they've making a film but they're in school again so let's just throw two characters in there that want to be uh, filmmakers. Wojtek Dolinsky the fucking uh, disciplinary disciplinary officer. officer you know he was he was great. And the fact that you've just come off the sequence as well with Mitch Pileggi playing Duke, they were just so great together as that situation. Like right at the end when uh, Dolinsky kind of walks out and looks at Buddy and Buddy just shoots him that look. Mm -hmm. And Dolinsky just completely backs down. You're like... <laughs> he just turns and walks away. It's like, oh, mate, you're, you've completely lost your power now in front of the entire school. Uh, the library sequence with Craig getting knocked out, I just thought that was great as well, especially with the domino effect of all the shells being knocked down and then Jerry and Vincent there and then the shh. Great, great. Uh, Miss Farmer making out with Jerry <laughs> and then passing out. I mean, who didn't want to make out their English teacher if they were super fucking hot, <laughs> you know? Um, and I just love the way that Jerry collapses and then he's just lying there with a big smile on his face. <laughs> That's funny. There was there was a sequence where um, Jerry was walking into uh, down the corridor and the camera was zooming down on him, you know, and it just, like you said, it was just focusing on the intensity of him as the movie had been going on and he's getting more and more stressed out and he's going to have to face this fight and he doesn't want to and everything's just, yeah, intense. Kind of like fucking, you know, Brody on the beach when he sees the kid the shark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and the ending, I suppose, where, like, like I said, you've just come off the big fight sequence. And like I said, I get it. Jerry's the hero. He's supposed to be the hero. So we're, we're supposed to feel good about him beating up the bad guy and, and, and winning. And I suppose if they hadn't filmed the end sequence, it would have made more sense with Buddy disappearing and Jerry being the hero. But then then tacking this ending on, it, it, it does pay off because you get the rumor mill start all over again and come all the way back to Lisa Simpson outside the school where the film had originally started. Um, but, you know, Jerry just standing there. Oh, this is my girlfriend. And this is Karen, the cutest girl of the school who kind of fancies me and thinks I'm cool now now that I've beaten up the world's biggest bully. And here comes my English teacher who wants to make out of me in front of all the students and not get arrested. <laughs> right? Well, it doesn't seem anyone's getting arrested these days. Yeah, nobody's getting no, arrested in this school, fucking movie. <laughs> you know? Uh, before I get into my favourite scenes, I want to talk about the uh, cinematography in the film. Um, the uh, the DP was um, Barry Sonnenfeld. Now, if you watch the opening credits, he's uh, credited as a lighting consultant. <laughs> and that was because he wasn't unionised at that time. So uh, they couldn't put his name in there as the no. director of photography. Uh, but this is the guy that shot Misery. This is the guy that went on to direct the Men in Black trilogy. Um, so this is well, yeah, one of his early early wow. roles and just shines here, uh, you know, captures yeah. exactly what, what the director wanted, captured the, the cinematography of After Hours. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's also there in the edits with the, with the you know, like the shot that you mentioned with the camera, the camera you know, zooming, in, zooming yeah. in quickly and they also remove like every eighth frame so that it speeds up the motion even wow, more. Yeah. Gives it almost a dreamlike nightmarish feel to the edit and to the camera angles and the way that it's constantly moving in. I uh, thought it was very well lit and yeah, very well shot. Did you say he did all three Men in Black movies? Yeah, yeah, he was the director that, for those. those yeah, were yeah. Really, I love the 
especially in the first one and yeah. going into second and third one but the first one really just stood out just the way it looked yeah. the way it feels so i'm just like you know with spielberg's kind of oversight with a great uh, dp mm. great music and an interesting fresh director and a good cast it's it's one hell of a bubble of talent in, yeah, in here yeah, yeah. Uh, which is why yeah there's so many favorite scenes right from the beginning the opening montage the music the way it's edited uh, the way it's paced all of the little gags sniffing the dirty laundry putting it in the microwave the pop tart <laughs> the car the co the near collision yeah the near collision you know, yeah. it's just it just sets it up great all the way up to uh, buddy's reveal as he steps out of his car just great shots great sequences all going at a good pace the library scene, I think, is one of the most intense scenes because, like, you know, I mean, the guy that's been paid to go and confront, not necessarily beat him up, but confront and just tell him <laughs> to get away from from Jerry. He got paid to beat him up, dude. Well, he got paid to, to stop him, you know, whether that way. I mean, he was yeah, pro fully prepared to fight. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, totally. But he didn't throw a punch. He <laughs> didn't go in there and just fight, did he? He went up there and talked to him. And Buddy was the one who then threw him through the bloody, uh, through the book stand. After he laid his finger on him. Yeah, a finger. A finger is a bit of an extreme overreaction. No, uh, I wouldn't <laughs> like a finger being put on me by some stranger. Uh, but it's a it's a really good sequence, and it ends you know with the with the domino bookshelf, and then them two being revealed at the in the corner of the room. Great, great moment. You didn't even try. How does that make you feel? One, of, I think it's the most powerful line in the entire film. It really encapsulates exactly what Buddy, what, what you know, was expecting or wanted to see uh, from this character that he's kind of victimized and bullied by not by just being there. You know, throughout the entire film. And uh, it, it, you really feel how defeated Jerry is in of himself. You know, he's ashamed of himself at that point. And uh, it, and the, cam the camera, the angle, the music, everything, the mood. You know, it's the lowest point. It's the lowest point in the film. And it's done very, very well. Don't fuck this up, Mitchell! <laughs> the principal is he's been Self knocked out on the yeah. floor yelling that as everyone's chanting for him to rip his fucking head off! You know, it's uh, all the emotions all swept up in that, that final fight. And uh, and Buddy, his, his final sequence when he comes in, you know, squeezing that money and he drops it on the counter and tries his damned hardest not to smile. <laughs> great, great performance there as uh, he said and he walks out the door. So, yeah, it's great. So many memorable sequences there. It really is hard to nail them all down. There's uh, there's so many. Yeah, there really are. Ian, do you recommend the film? I do uh, highly recommend this movie. I Like I said, I'd never seen it up until now. And so then actually watching it for the first time, it, it just slotted itself into my top three, top five favorite movies of the 80s. Uh, like, like I said, I wish I had seen it you know, back in the day, because I'd probably have a different feeling towards Jerry. But now watching it like almost 40 odd years later, I just, I, I, like I said, I get what the movie's trying to say and implement about Jerry. It's just some of these scenarios he did orchestrate himself and then he ends up confronting Buddy and Buddy's just like, three o'clock, dude, three o'clock. Every time you keep confronting me, it's just going to keep going at three o'clock. And so then I look at Buddy and I'm just like, man, what, I want to know more about your back history. I want to know where you come from. What's made you like this? What, you know, he's probably got the world's worst parents or whatever, whatever. Maybe he's coming from the best kept life and we just don't know. He just fucking hates school. Just everything works with the movie, the acting, the camera work, the music. It's just fun as well. Like at the end of the movie, when, when, uh, Jerry had done his final line and the credits started to roll up. I actually just sat there and listened to that 
song that had been playing since the beginning because it was just so fun, 80s, catchy, and I, I, for an hour and a half, you really can't go wrong. Yeah, oh, I'm totally recommending 3 O'Clock High. This is a much-forgotten hidden gem of the 80s that deserves to be seen by more than the few who took a chance to see it when it first released. It's a universal tale about bullying and standing up for yourself and trying to do the right thing within a high school, with much more darker elements and black comedy than this genre tended to provide at the time. It's got a lot of style, which director Phil Joanno credited Martin Scorsese as the influence, and it really shows. It's edgy and tense and dark, with great cinematography, lighting, editing, and it's backed with another fantastic score by Tangerine Dream. Casey Simesco was perfectly cast in the lead role. He showed a great range, you know, he was meek, he was slightly awkward, and uh, incredibly believable as a, an everyday student struck in an impossible position against a, a ticking clock. You know, Richard Tyson, he didn't have as many scenes, but really left an impression as a powerful and intimidating villain character with hints of layers to his character. The whole cast worked really well. They felt genuine with some of that Spielberg magic in the mix. And this was a real joy to watch. It was entertaining right to the end and a film to revisit again and again. So I'm going to give this a must watch. It's a cult classic for a reason and I hope more get to discover this film now. When school is over, it's all over. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. I call a book report.